Water appears everywhere throughout the early books of the Bible, from Noah's Ark to the passing of the Red Sea. And then Jesus announces his arrival by being plunged into the River Jordan. Then he walks on a lake and switches gallons of the wet stuff into vintage wine at a wedding. Jesus walked this earth for 33 years, living out his life among the people of the street in a part of the world that was bitterly divided. Actually, it still is. Back then, it was Judea, Samaria and Galilee on one side of the River Jordan and the 10 cities of the Decapolis on the other side. Today, it is Israel and Lebanon on one side and Jordan and Syria on the other with the contested West Bank right in the middle. In Jesus' day, all kinds of religious disputes meant that people didn't travel around that much. That's what made him so unusual and so controversial. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are like four newspapers writing about broadly the same events, but to a different type of audience. All of them make it very clear, however, that Jesus is continually crossing boundaries and borderlines in order to reach people from very diverse communities. He broke the rules and he even caused offence in his relentless pursuit of people and to firmly establish that they really matter to God. So let's zero in on one of those crossing over moments. This is how Luke's gospel depicts that day for Jesus and his followers. But Matthew and Mark also talk about it as well. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and they started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came over the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. Now this stretch of water is notorious for storms, even today. There are signs in the car park that warn would-be sightseers that their cars could be flooded if the heavens opened, so to speak. But this storm is different, it's unusual, it's terrifying, and it causes experienced, tough fishermen to genuinely believe that they are gonna drown. So what's really going on? What's the deal with the storm? What does it mean? And what's the message behind this very famous Jesus story? 
Maybe the Jesus boys would have stayed in bed that day if they'd have had any idea what this crazy sailing trip was really going to involve. Up until this point, Jesus has operated exclusively in Galilee, but now he's crossing the water and the battle lines are being drawn. The power of heaven that is in Jesus is clashing with the power of death and destruction that is trying to stop him. This violent storm targets Jesus as the devil lays a trap to kill him. It's almost like his disciples are caught up in the crossfire as innocent bystanders. Maybe that goes some way to explain why some of the storms hit us as well. You see, whatever you think about God, he is very clear what he thinks about you. But there is an enemy that is trying to annihilate the image of God on the earth. The Bible says that you and me are created in God's image. That is why we are in the firing line. Storms and waves are going to hit us throughout our passage through this life. There's no point denying them because even Jesus said the storms will come. But what he also said is that he has overcome the storm. So the key to it is to make sure that you're sitting in the right boat. Being on a super yacht with an idiot is probably a lot more dangerous than being in a humble fishing boat with the author of life who knows what is going on. So this vicious storm breaks over the boat. The water is coming in. Jesus is taking a nap at the end of the boat while his disciples are frantically giving each other the last rites. Jesus then wakes up, tells the storm to clear off and then angles in on the others, suggesting that they are chickens and they should have had more faith. In 1986, the remains of an old fishing boat were found on the banks of the Galilee by two local fishermen during an extreme drought. Scientists dated those remains back to the first century. Now, there's nothing to suggest, of course, that Jesus was actually sitting in that particular boat, but you never know. People often say that the Bible is just a collection of fairy stories. Well, each to their own, I guess. But here's what people very often don't get told. All the time, exhibits are being unearthed from the part of the world where these events took place. And none of them have ever contradicted what the Bible says. Not even one. Back to the story. So the freak storm has been firmly put in its place by the Son of God. But now the Jesus boys are about to discover that it was just a foretaste of a second storm waiting for them on the other side of the lake. Excellent. This second storm is what this leisurely boat trip was really about. But the second storm is not a dangerous weather front, it's a dangerous person. Maybe you've got a picture in your mind of the guy that you most fear turning up to one of your meetings. Well, this lot are about to discover that that guy's not coming to the meeting, he is the meeting. 
I've met many troubled people in my time and lots of them have been transformed by an encounter with Jesus. One or two of them have ended up working with me. Now the Bible tells us that this poor chap is being tormented by demons. Now I do understand that that sounds a little bit over the top today. Unless, of course, you're watching a daytime chat show on TV where A-list celebrities get to talk about their problems. Have you ever wondered why rappers, rock stars and actors struggle with their demons while the rest of us just have to wrestle with boring old problems? Now, for the second time in a day, Jesus takes on a violent storm at the very peak of its strength and power. This time, it's a one-man terrorist organisation. But Jesus doesn't seem to be any more stressed than he was back in the boat when he took on the first storm and he gave the weather a firm talking to. He sets the guy free, but then something beautiful takes place as he turns to Jesus and he begs him to give him a place on the team. Maybe he's a perfect addition due to the incredible transformation that has taken place in his life, but Jesus clearly has other priorities. He tells him to go back to his family and his community and tell the story of what happened the day he met Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. What happened is what usually happens when someone with life-controlling issues finds freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The rescued becomes the rescuer. We'll never know this side of eternity what the unwritten chapters were in that particular story, but I bet they're impressive. Jesus never promised that we wouldn't experience difficult circumstances on our journey along the long and winding road through this life. But he did promise that he would never leave us and he promised that he would get in the boat with us if we stopped for long enough to humble ourselves and invite him in. The greatest point of crossing over we can ever experience is when we finally understand and connect with the reality that we are loved by our creator and life only makes sense when we begin to live out his divine plan for our lives if you've never done it you can do it right now you can take a step towards him it's the most sensible thing that you can ever do with your life why not pray this prayer with me right where you are father in heaven Please calm the storm that is raging in my life. Forgive me for my rejection of your plan and step into the boat of my life and lead me safely to the other side. Amen.